I am Nimi and I'm Ritu from Adventurize this is Venturing Beyond a podcast where we delve into the career stories of ambitious individuals Hello and welcome to Venturing Beyond Today we have with us Mr. Robin Cheriakar John the co-founder and CEO of Eventide Asset Management which is a Boston based investment advisor with a focus on investing in value Robin is also the co-founder and a trustee of Dilsey Foundation Dasha Academy. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about these directly from him. So without further ado, welcome Robin and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much Nimi. Before we begin, I would really love it if you could briefly introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Robin and I grew up in Kerala for the first 8 years of my life and I moved to the US when I was 8 and lived in the Boston Massachusetts area for most of my life. I went to Tufts University where I got my degree in economics and I am married and have three children. 13 years ago in 2008 started a company called Eventide Asset Management. We manage seven mutual funds, the Eventide funds, and recently started the company is to really align our work with our values and our faith. Fantastic. Thank you so much. When you began your journey, how did you find out what you were interested in? Like where did it begin exactly? So I actually didn't know what I wanted to do for most of my childhood growing up. If I had an idea, I think my life would have been a lot easier. I think I would have been much more focused even in terms of my education, but I didn't know. And I grew up in a christian family and in some ways that was not as helpful as i would hope it would have been because generally there is this idea that if you want to serve god you have to go become a missionary or work in the church and so i think in my heart i always felt i wanted to do something bigger for god so everything else didn't feel as meaningful to me bringing it back to your education especially as you went into tafs and started experimenting what was your thought process like when you were trying to explore what you were passionate about and what you were interested in what were you looking at i wasn't sure what i was passionate about i was passionate about helping people i knew that but for me a lot of those passions were realized on the weekends so i would do different activities with charities locally with the church I didn't know how to bring those passions into my everyday work and therefore even as I was trying to explore different education streams I wasn't sure what I should do honestly I struggled with really finding passion in education if I went back to school today I would have so much more passion for my education than I did when I was 18 19 20 years old you mentioned briefly that you explored a lot more and did what you were interested in on the weekends and with your charity work could you elaborate a little more about what hobbies you followed or the charity work that you did i'd love to hear that yeah so you know i grew up in southern india kerala and our family was not wealthy by any means my grandfather was a pastor just very poor and i remember growing up we had a small house i slept in the same bed with him and my brother and there was no bathroom inside the house right we had an outhouse it's a very different life in a small village called kangara back then i was a kid but back then maybe once every month you would see 
an airplane flying in a distance. And you know, it was just like, I, I, the first time I ever saw television was after I moved to the US. So very different life back then. And so for me, I saw my grandparents and their sacrifice. And I saw that whenever they had something, they would give. So I think that shaped me growing up. And I've always wanted to be that type of a person where I am helping the poor, where I am, uh, I would say, taking care of the people around me and not just pursuing personal riches and profit. Where I struggled is that when I thought about work, the way that it was portrayed to me was that work is supposed to be for making money. It had to be about something more than myself for me to get passionate. It must have been tough, especially if you moved at the age of eight from Kerala to the U.S. It's like very drastic change, right? How did you deal with that? Like I said, I turned eight the day I moved to the U.S. So I was still a small kid. It was very difficult, I would say, for me to leave my grandparents. The hardest part, looking back, is just that relationship lost in many ways. My parents visited India, but they didn't take the three children back. But that said, at the time, as a kid, it was almost just a shock. I didn't really know what was happening, but I was excited to get on an airplane. And when I landed in New York City at JFK, I remember just thinking, man, this is very different. And I hadn't seen the big cities of India. I hadn't been to a Bombay or New Delhi or anything like that. I lived in Kerala, which is very different. And going from Cochin Airport to JFK, coming out to New York City just was a shock. And then I remember my uncle who picked us up buying us a cheeseburger. <laughs> I hated it. I'm like, what is this? But again, looking back, it all feels like a dream that I saw. Even my life in Kerala as a kid feels like a dream that I woke up from. It feels like a different life almost. It's hard to explain for me. Yeah, I can imagine that. And it must be strange coming back every two years. I mean, it changes quite rapidly, I think. Yeah, the whole of India is changing rapidly. Yeah. Actually, in 2005, I spent a year working with Bank of New York, helping outsource to Pune. And I was over there kind of helping hire teams and show processes from the U.S. I went back two years ago, right before COVID. I couldn't believe how drastically Pune has changed. But if you go to like Kangara, where I grew up, nothing has changed. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, so small villages haven't changed, I don't think, except that people have televisions in, in their homes now. With Eventide, I know that values are very important to the kind of investing you do. So how did your early life influence it? Or maybe you could talk more about what values you strongly hold and believe in. Yeah, so, so Eventide's purpose statement is Eventide strives to honor God and serve its clients by investing in companies that create compelling value for the global common good. So because of that, values really matter. And there are two different ways I think about values. There are values that are baked into our investment philosophy. Like when we are looking at companies to invest into, there are values that we look for in the companies or values in terms of here are the things that we don't compromise in terms of pursuing a profit. So we will never want to profit from pornography, from companies that are just polluting the environment, from companies that are selling tobacco because a lot of children are affected, especially in places like Indonesia and Papua New Guinea. So these are our ideals, some of our ideals. And so we strive to stay away from these areas. 
ultimately we're seeking to invest in companies that are loving their neighbors. And so we're looking at how the company treats their customers, employees, supply chain, host communities, environment, and society. So all that said, those are like values Infini has brought to the business in how we invest in companies. But there's another type of value that I promote within my employees, the corporate values. It's things like humility, being excellent in our work, collaboration, being candid with one another and being open, having high integrity. We want our people to be people that practice what they preach and preach what they practice, being people that are whole. I would love to hear about uh, the story of when you started Eventide. The story of me starting Eventide, I was working at Boston University and I got fired after one month. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a weird situation for me. I got hired and then moved to the medical school as I was doing internal audit. So I was assigned to a team. It was just myself and one other person. And it just was a difficult situation. The person I worked with, for whatever reason, just didn't seem to like me, but ultimately ended up firing me within a month. And that led to me, at the time I was living in my parents' basement, I was feeling humiliated and didn't want to tell my parents that I got fired. So I started praying about this. Then ultimately I told my parents about what happened. Then I asked Finney, co-founder of my company, to pray with me. So we prayed for six months. We had lots of different ideas. Ultimately, you know, we decided to start an investment firm. It felt as though God was really opening doors for us. One example of this is we were in church together. After church, we're talking about a Christian mutual fund that we're starting. And so after church, we're having this conversation and a random person named Tim Weinhold comes to the house church. If you ask him today, he will tell you he had never been to a house church in his life. So anyway, so, so Tim shows up at the house church and he said, okay, I know what it means to be Christian. I know what a mutual fund is. Put that together for me. What do you guys mean by a Christian mutual fund? We said, well, we're going to avoid investing in companies that are hurting people. And he said, well, that doesn't seem very compelling to me. And we said, why not? And he said, well, if you are investing in businesses and if investing is partnering with businesses, investors are rooting for the success of a business then what are the types of businesses a Christian should be partnering with? And if non-Christians are listening, this would be true to you as well. Like, what are the types of businesses that a values-based person, a conscientious person should be partnering with and promoting? What are the, the businesses that you should be seeking to support? So that really helped me and Finney to rethink and reframe our investment framework, investment philosophy. It no longer was about avoiding the bad, but we, we started asking, what are the types of companies we actually want to partner with and embrace? I love that. And I definitely agree. Like the first one, you were talking about negative screening and about avoiding certain things that you have absolutely no fan on supporting. And then I love that you went a step further to support and partner with companies. Going back a little bit, I'd love to hear about your first full-time opportunities and how did you find it? What were you looking for at that time? What was your experience like? My experience, I am a very hard worker. Ever since I was a kid, I had a paper route. I used to work at a place called U-Haul 
cleaning trucks at, you know, when I was in high school, worked at CVS, just lots of different jobs. Even when I got to college, I struggled in terms of like finding good internships. And I just continued to do just jobs that really didn't set me on a career path. And so when I left college, I got a job at Bank of New York. At the time it was Mellon Bank and it got bought out by Bank of New York. It was a back office job in corporate actions, income collections. But I work hard and I work harder than anybody. So I was always there till 10 p.m. and working hard and management noticed that. So that quickly got me promoted. And I ultimately, within two years, found myself leading this outsourcing effort between the U.S. and India. And I was in India working with HR, hiring people and really training them how to do their work. And I loved it. It was just traveling between India and the U.S. and seeing Bombay and Pune and just living there for a year was just really exciting for me. But I would say for young people in college listening to me, I would say the number one thing to do is really understand your purpose, understand your passion. And number two, find internships, not just in one area, but try different internships in different industries. So really like explore different industries because that will open your eyes to the world a bit more. I think too many young people, when they are like in eighth grade, ninth grade, they've already decided, I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I want to be that. But give yourself an opportunity to explore multiple industries, multiple jobs, multiple careers as an intern. And then I think you'll have a better vision for where your talents, where your strengths are, and where your passion lies. Yes, that's so important to gain as many experiences as possible. Because when you are in school or in college, you only have exposure to theory and you don't really have that ability to try different things out and see what you really are passionate about or what interests you. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I would love to hear a little bit more from your perspective about how to discover your passion. What would be the advice you would give? So passion means sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for? Let's say you made no money. What is it that you care about so much in this world that you're willing to sacrifice for it and you're willing to give your life for it? Like, if you know the answer to that question, that's your passion. You shouldn't be doing anything else. Oftentimes, I think our minds are clouded because being Indian, you know, we often are asking other questions instead. We're asking questions about honor, questions about, you know, what will be most prestigious for me? Um, I need to get married someday. You know, which job gives me the best profile or prospect from a marriage perspective? I think a lot of Indian people care a lot about wealth. And I think it's because, you know, many Indians, including me, we grew up very poor, right? So they want the security of wealth. And I think that's part of the reason why parents even push their children towards medicine and computer science and, and engineering is the security, the security of knowing that there's a job waiting. Our parents want us to take the least amount of risk and have a comfortable life. And I think a lot of young people are feeling a tension of wanting to honor their parents. But at the same time, um, that in some ways limits them in truly exploring what their passion is. Yeah, I definitely can understand that. And I want to ask your opinion on something related to that. 
I'd love to hear, like, because Eventide focuses so much on values and in helping others, what's your experience with job safety? What do you find helps the most? So in terms of job safety, I would say for anybody who's coming into a company, really seek to understand what the mission of that company is. What is the purpose of the company? Uh, generally, when I look at my employees at Eventide, there are three things I look for. One is, are they highly, highly aligned with the mission? Are they passionate about this mission? Two, are they aligned with our values? Like, are they pe people that are collaborative and uh, excellent in their work, right? So, you know, these, these values that the company is promoting, uh, is the person really, really promoting those values and aligned with those values? The third component would be competency. What does the company hire you to do? Are you competent in your work? Are you pr producing a good outcome? If you are doing those three things well, um, it's hard to imagine that the company would let you go unless like they're really struggling. But generally, I think you would have more security than your peers. I know that a lot of people who are looking for jobs and are doing interviews and things like that, there's a lot that people are not really aware of just from their educational background. Is there anything that you wish you knew after you graduated? After I graduated, what would have helped me, honestly, is if I had done more internships or if I even took a year off between high school and college and did some internships and just saw the world a bit more um, because I was very like overprotected by my parents growing up. And I didn't see what the world around me was. I didn't even know what the stock market was. Like, I don't even know how I found myself. And like, I am I'm doing the work that I do now. If you grow up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where you don't have that luxury of parents that are able to network on your behalf, you have to do that networking yourself somehow. And the best way to do that, like I said, is just internships and multi, trying multiple internships in multiple industries. Uh, when I was studying even economics, I didn't really know how those classes related to the real world. And now if I went back and took the same classes, I would gain so much more from it. I definitely agree. Even with Adventurize, our company, uh, we focus a lot on experience and the value that can be provided through that. So that's why we wanted to start this company and promote mentorships and hearing from people who have that experience would provide so much value for other people who are looking to learn and discover more and explore themselves. Can you just take one minute to explain more about your company? Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. Our company is called Adventurize, and it's basically a mentorship platform. So we want to connect anyone who wants to learn with mentors who are experienced professionals who can like share their knowledge and stories that they've experienced and been through. And this will help people learn outside of just schooling. I also wanted to ask you, what is the best and worst advice that you've ever received? Yeah, first of all, worst advice is, well, I don't know what the worst advice is, but, but there's a couple of bad ones. Um, one is definitely, I would say, just throughout my life, I think what I grew up learning is that work is about making money, full stop. Like, that's what it's about, right? So 
if that was my mindset, I would not have the passion for the work I do today. Because how much money do you need to make? You know, it's just meaningless after, after some time. Another bad advice, like very specifically, I remember when I was starting Eventide, I went to an Indian wedding and there was a, an Indian business person sitting at the reception table. And I started telling him, hey, I'm starting this investment firm. And he said, you will fail. Okay, <laughs> I said, I will fail. He said, yeah, he said, you cannot bring values or your faith to your work. You have to keep the two separate. He said, Robin, if you're gonna succeed in business, you have to be cutthroat. You have to be willing to hurt people. Otherwise you will not succeed in business. I disagreed and our company's doing well. We're managing $8 billion now, much more than we ever imagined when we started. So that was really bad advice that I did not follow. Good advice I would say is, it's not, career advice people have given me is life advice that I have adopted to my career for my mother, for my grandmothers, just to love people, just to take care of the poor, not to live a life for yourself, but for others. I've been able to bring that into my work and into my company. It's helped bring success to my career. I feel like a lot of people do believe that personal life or Anything that you believe in strongly outside of work has to remain separate. Most business people assume that business needs to be kept separate from personal life, from personal values. And so therefore, what they do is they have this make all you can to give all you can mindset. But guess what? If you're selling tobacco to poor children, and if you go to Papua New Guinea, children start smoking at the age of nine years old. Indonesia, same thing. If you're selling tobacco to children, paying dividends to your shareholders, as a shareholder, if you give 10% of that to the poor, you still kept 90% of the ill-gotten gain, money that you made by hurting people. Like, how can you feel good about that? So to me, stewardship should be holistic. It's everything, right? It's how we work, how we run our business. Just giving doesn't, doesn't make up for all the harm you've done on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yes, so true. And a lot of the effects of health so much more strongly if you don't put thought into where you are um, spending a lot of your effort and time at. So I definitely agree with that. And I'd love to hear more about Darshan Academy and uh, Dilse Foundation. So I'd love to hear from you about yeah what work you do through them. So Dilse Foundation is just a small foundation that my wife and I started to help students mostly in India. So when we started Eventide, I mentioned the job I got fired from. And uh, 10 years later, I remember looking back, one of the reasons we started Eventide is to be able to give our profits as well, right? So uh, I remember at the 10 year mark, when I looked back, I'm like, man, our Eventide is giving, at the time it was a hundred times more than the money I was making 10 years before, right? Uh, from the job I got fired. So it was, it was really incredible. And, and again, I, you know, I prayed a lot uh, about, um, you know, about serving God in some way. And like, this was kind of a gift that, from God to be able to do that. So Dilsey Foundation is just a foundation through which we do some of our giving, uh, mostly to, um, for educational purposes. And Darsha Academy is a school one of the challenges I've seen with the poor in India 
is that even uh, as people try to help, a lot of the people that are running the schools in India, the schools that serve the underprivileged kids, is that the quality often is not nearly what it is for the, the people with more means. So there's a huge uh, disparity between the rich and the poor in India. So I wanted to help bring high quality education for students who otherwise have no access to it. And, and I wanted to focus on girls especially because of what I saw in terms of the situation for young women in India. Often if girls are not educated, their futures are even more scary than for the boys. One of the, the charities that I was working with in Bombay was called uh, Bombay Teen Challenge. Uh, I was supporting them a little bit. And my wife and I walked through the red light district in Bombay. It's just so hard to see and believe that, you know, that that, that happens in India. And, I, and I've seen that in Pune as well, a place called Lakshmi Road. So ever since I spent that year in India in 2005, I had made up my mind that in some way I wanted to help young girls in India. And Darsha Academy is one way to do that. I would love to hear more about your thoughts on career satisfaction, especially in relation to all that you've said so far. I think it would be very interesting. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think of career satisfaction in that way. For me, if I am serving and I am, like I said, I had spent six months in prayer before Eventide. So I really feel in my heart that Eventide was an answer to prayer. And so I feel that I have this gift that kind of God placed in my hand to take care of. So my job is to take care of this gift, right? And to steward it well. And it starts with this mission that Eventide is seeking to promote in the world. And if I'm doing that well, like I feel like I'm doing a very good job and, and I have satisfaction in that. If Eventide becomes a hundred times bigger than it is today, but we've deviated from the mission, we have failed. We have utterly failed. So I'll give you one example of this. So currently we have about 12,000 financial advisors investing with Eventide. That includes advisors from places like Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, Ameriprise, Raymond James. I would love in the next 10 years for us to get to 30,000 financial advisors. So it's not just the financial advisors, you know, money that they bring to Eventide. We're influencing them and influencing them in how they should be investing the rest of their clients' money, even the money that doesn't come to Eventide. So that's what we want to do. Like our goal is not to get everybody to invest everything to Eventide, but it's to change their mindset, is to be a leader and to show them that values doesn't have to be divorced or separated from our investments. So 30,000 financial advisors, if you do the average, if you do the math, 30,000 financial advisors manage $3.9 trillion. That's 12% of the S&P 500 and 8% of the entire US stock market uh, market cap. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you definitely have a huge positive influence in creating some of this systemic change that is needed. So I'm so glad to share about your thoughts. Thank you for sharing that. As a final question, I would love to hear 
about any recommendations you have about books that you found interesting or videos, documentaries. What do you think are interesting for people to listen to and would be most valuable? Yeah, it depends. Recently, a lot of my you know reading and listening has been more Christian oriented. Every night, you know, when I lie in bed, I listen to a sermon. And, but in terms of career, uh, do I have it here? Um, there's a book called Great People Decisions. And that's a really good book for employers in terms of what they should be looking for in hiring. And I think for a person who's coming out of college looking for jobs, like you should know, you should get into the heads of the people that are seeking to hire you. The book really talks about competency versus potential versus experience. And so I would say Great People Decisions is a really good book uh, for a person to read as they prepare themselves for, for any industry. In terms of like my reading, I kind of put them in different buckets. So in terms of leadership and organizational health, there are books like The Advantage uh, that I like to read. There's a book called To Change the World that I recently read and another book called Kingdom Calling. These are all more Christian oriented. Um, uh, in terms of leadership, there's a very small book that I found very valuable to me. It's so simple. You could read it within like two hours. It's called The Way of the Shepherd. It's just a story, yeah, but at the same time, it kind of shows you how to lead well, but it speaks from the perspective of a shepherd leading a sheep. And the sheep is seeking to lead the lead sheep, and the lead sheep are leading the other sheep. So the shepherd can lead every sheep, right? The shepherd leads from the front, but, it, but it's leading the lead sheep. Really good principles in that book. In terms of business and investing, in terms of business, I would say some of the books I really value. One is called The Ultimate Question by Fred Reichelt. One is uh, called Good Job Strategy by St. Tom. And another is from a Christian perspective, Why Business Matters to God by Jeff Van Duser. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for joining in and spending your valuable time. I hope you had fun. And yeah, thank you for being here.